to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. In Jesus' name, 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 9. Shall I give people time to, to uh, turn to that in their Bibles? Is, does anyone bring a paper Bible anymore? Oh, a few people. I want to hear the rustling of, of the paper. Ryan, can you rustle? Yeah, there we go. Russell, Russell, Russell Code. Russell Code, you're amazing. First Corinthians 3, 5 to 9. Uh, this is in the NIV. Yes, the NIV. What, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labour. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building." I watched, uh, Karen and I watched our son Harrison play footy a couple of weeks ago. It was against Quinn's Districts and it was at the oval behind Quinn's Beach Primary School where C3QB, uh, one of our locations, used to be located. And considering we've pretty much mentioned every other location, we'll mention C3 North Perth as well. You know, last year, sorry, last week, they celebrated four years as a church. And so Pastor Joel and Michaela serving the community there and creating a beautiful ecumenical space where people can discover Christ and grow as a disciple of Jesus. And so they're doing an amazing job. Anyway, back to the game. It was just a typical wet and windy Sunday afternoon. Why is it that every time there's kids sport on, it's raining and it's wet and it's windy? And that doesn't bode well for a really great game of under-16s football, right? But it ended up being an absolute ripper. It was, a, it was an enthralling game and, and Harry's team overcame a 16-point deficit at three-quarter time to win by a goal. It was a bit of a nail-biter. Unfortunately, the fact that it was such a great game was lost on some players and parents on both sides of the, of the game who were so focused on the umpires. They were so focused on their decisions or non decisions throughout the game. And, and some of these umpires that, are, that we've got in some of Harry's games are pretty much the same age as the kids playing. So it's just amazing what they're doing. Anyway, the standard of the umpiring was in question. And after the game, I could hear people as I was walking past people, they were having conversations not about how amazing was that game, but oh, how terrible was that umpire. And hum- umpires... They're not perfect, but they help the game function, right? We'd really struggle to play any organised sport if it wasn't for umpires, for referees. But the umpires aren't the focus. They're not the reason that Karen and I were willing to be in the wet, rainy winter afternoon to watch a game of football. The umpires weren't the reason we were there. It was for our son. It was to watch him play footy and For some people, unfortunately, the focus on the umpires blocked their view of the main thing, which was the game, which ended up being 
a really great experience. Now, in our Christian experience, there are things that can block our view of who is most important. Happens in the church today, and it was happening in the church in Corinth that Paul was writing this letter to. Something, someone was blocking the view of the Corinthians. Their sight was being filled up with other people, with other things that were obscuring their ability to see, to know, and to worship God. If we summarise the Scripture that we just read, God was the one who chose the roles for Paul, Apollos, and the others. God was the one who brought growth in their lives. It was God who they were to serve. It was God's field that they're a part of, and they were God's building. Do you see a common theme happening? And in naming Apollos as well, Paul is making it really clear here that while there are individual roles and parts to play for the purpose of building the church, each part alone isn't to be the focus. Rather, each part comes together in order to exalt and magnify the one true God, the one who actually gives the growth, the one who brings change, the one who builds our lives. And so there are things that can block our view today. We can at times have a propensity to compare worship songs and preachers and baristas based on, their, on our individual preferences. All of these things are of value. All of these things are of value when they're used to see God more clearly. But they can become an issue when they get in the way and block the view of God. The purpose of church, the purpose of you and I gathering together, of the people of God coming together to worship Him is to connect with Him. It's to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I love that time up until this moment we've had today of, of worshipping, of praising, of focusing on God through singing of songs, through communion, through those moments of prayer. There's been a real focus and a praise of our great God. And going further, we can put leaders on a pedestal. We can put preachers and authors on a pedestal, we can elevate them to the point where they are standing in the eye line of the one who is truly worthy of worship, the one who brings the growth. Apollos was a well-trained orator, a great public speaker. He specialised in rhetoric. He came from the esteemed school in Alexandria and he was most likely a better preacher than Paul. His preaching style really appealed to the Greek converts in Corinth. Ben Witherington III speaks to this point. Apollos came after Paul and he watered Paul's mission field. Unfortunately, the method of water he used amounted to pouring fuel on an already existing fire. You see, there were already whispers in the church in Corinth as to the nature of Paul's ministry of his speaking. Some were questioning his motives, his penchant for physical labour as a trade. It was looked down upon. People were, were questioning his lack of preaching skills. Essentially, the questioning narrowed down to Paul's authority as an apostle. Was he legit? 
Was he someone I wanted to follow? And so Apollos comes and he essentially gives the Corinthians what they want. This beautiful speaker. And that only multiplied these questions that they were already having about Paul. And it led to eyes being taken off God to focus on forming and strengthening factions within the church. And through all the issues that Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians, it is probably this notion of factionalism that Paul is trying to dismantle. And I've experienced attempts to establish factions within our church over the 20 years I've been a part of the team. And a bit of a funny one was uh, early on in Pastor Jason M's tenure as lead pastors. And this family came to our church. It was probably at least 10 years ago. And family came to our church and the husband or father, he was, an, he was an older guy and he appeared of significant means and stature. Jason, I can't remember his name, but Jason, I called him Bob Hawke because he, he kind of looked similar to the late ex-Prime Minister. And he was so nice to me. He was so encouraging to me. Every time I got off the, off, off, the, off the stage after I'd preached, he'd be there saying, man, that was the best message ever. When I wasn't preaching, he's like, oh, I really wish you were preaching on that day, saying this kind of stuff. And he was, you know, I was like, oh, this guy likes me. I'm doing okay. He was encouraging me, telling me how much he loved all, all the things that I was doing. He offered to take our family out on this big boat that he apparently had. Never saw the boat, but made some promises about a boat and here's the thing his actions towards me they weren't replicated to any other member of our team it was just me and so something just seemed off and so I talked to Pastor Jace about it and it became clear that that this guy's motives were wrong this guy was trying to create a faction within this church community and it eventually once we exposed it it came to a head And he was asked to leave. I think it was Pastor Cherry who asked him to leave. (laughs) It happens. These attempts for, for factions based on preferences. We have this amazing church community here. We have incredible worship and wonderful preaching and incredible programs. And a style of worship or a particular preacher or a particular program in our church may be more appealing to us than others. Now, I have a confession to make. It's time for some confession. I prefer certain songs we sing during worship than other songs. (gasps) Wow, that is scandalous. I also prefer, and more confession, I also prefer certain ways we pray together when we come together than other ways. <gasps> Whoa, that's outrageous. And each time we, we sing a song or pray together in a way that's not my preference. And I've all, you know, straight away my mind started analysing or started switching off. I've had to make a decision. I've had a decision of uh, an act of faith to make in that moment. Is this about me or is this about God? Have I come here for my preferences to be met? Or have I come here because I'm hungry and desperate to worship our incredible creator? I have to ask myself those questions and I've not found it easy. 
But what I've found on this journey, as I've opened my heart more to God in these moments that aren't my preferences, I'm finding that God comes and meets me in a song that we're singing that I don't prefer, in a moment of prayer that I don't prefer. God comes when the focus is on Him. That's incredible. My desires for God, as I've opened my heart to Him, my desires for Him have overridden my desires for preference. And it can happen for all of us. Let us not allow any of these things, these good elements of our church community become our focus or become the only way that we experience God and in essence filling our view and leaving us open to factionalism. See, Paul is clear to the Corinthian church, no person, no practice is to be our focus, is to be the foundation of our value or our identity. They only play a part in helping us to see Christ more clearly, draw us closer to Him, fuel desire and faith to follow Him and to grow in Him. And so here are three helpful questions we can ask in relation to this. What? Or who do we want to see? The God. But let's, let's actually make a conscious decision to come back to our foundation. Let's make a decision. Let's bring it back. Why do we first, why do we first want to worship God? Why do we first have faith in God? Why do we first have that desire to get up early in the morning to spend time with God? Let's come back. Let's come back to that place of, of, of hunger and desire, back to that foundation that we want to, I want to see God. I want to see Him more than I have seen Him. And I believe, and the, and the Word of God suggests that there is more of God to know. There is more of God to experience. He's bigger than us. He's bigger than what we've, we've experienced so far. There's more. There's more of God for us to know. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one who gives the growth. He's the one who has incredible plans for our lives. He's the one who gifts and empowers us to live for Him. He is the beginning and He is the end. All belong to Him and it is only through Him that we can be saved and truly come alive. And He wants to be our focus. He wants to reveal Himself to us in a personal and powerful way. Nothing, no one else compares to our God. So who is it that we want to see? Second question, who or what is blocking our view? If, if God is who we want to fix our eyes on, who or what is blocking our view? What's going on in our brain right now? What are we thinking? How preference driven are we? What obstacles are lurking in our hearts, taking our focus off God? What sin or idol worship or other thing have have the love of our heart? What patterns of thinking are causing us to take our eyes off God? Oh, I'm not worthy. Oh, God couldn't do that for me. 
or maybe thinking of, of, of perfectionism, of, of needing to, to do everything, of needing control, of, of, of not settling, not settling until it's absolutely perfect, thus taking our eyes off him and focusing on our ability. What kind of attitudes are diverting our gaze from God? Maybe it's criticism or that need to be entertained. And that's kind of caused us to start getting a little bit picky so that we shut down when a particular person is preaching. Wake up if anyone's shut down. <laughs> oh, Pastor Ben's preaching, great. Or a particular emotion is displayed or a particular song is sung or a particular program or event comes to an end. And we can show a real immaturity in our faith by voting with our feet and not attending, not praying for, not supporting a program or a missions initiative that our church is starting that we don't particularly like. Now, it's okay to appreciate or even prefer a part of our church community's expression. It's totally okay. Because we, we want to acknowledge the breadth, the depth, the diversity of this church community. And that's okay to appreciate that as long as we continue to come back to that one aim, knowing and serving God and allowing Him to form us in His image. God is the one who brings the growth. N.T. Wright gives a brilliant analogy here. He, Paul, and Apollos are servants through whom you believed. The word servant here, unlike the word slave, can mean the one who waits at a table. In other words, Paul and Apollos are simply the people who serve the food while God is responsible for choosing it and cooking it. He's the master chef. You shouldn't make a fuss about which waiter brings the food to your table. What matters is that God is in charge in the kitchen. That's the cool analogy. So let's be aware of the things blocking our view, things in our heart, things in our mind. Let's acknowledge them. Let's confess them. I've modelled that. I've confessed those things to you today. Confess, confession and repentance. Do you know what that can open up? Confession and repentance, when we own something and we bring it before God and we, by faith, receive forgiveness, it opens up freedom. It opens up the ability to see Him clearly. It opens up a faith lifestyle that God is calling us to live. And we're going to have a Opportunity to do that a little bit later. Question three, how are we going to respond? And band, why don't you come, please? Here are two encouragements for us from this last point. How are we going to respond? First one, let's multiply the vantage points. Let's ask God to help us see the value in every practice that we do in the church, that every style, every voice. Let's recognise that we only see a small part of the larger picture. God's doing something much larger than we can see. Let's see the unique part that each practice program person plays to aid us in drawing closer to God. 
In 1 Corinthians 3, 5-9, Paul is not pitting himself against Apollos. Rather, he's positioning himself and Apollos as co-servants in Christ, working in unity. So all the things are working together. Every practice, every person, every program within our church are working together, not competing against each other, but working together so that you and I can see God more clearly. We can worship Him for who He is and we can allow Him to transform us. They were not the thing. Paul and Apollos were not the thing. Jesus is. He's at the centre. And there is a unity and a synergy that each person and each part can play in order for us to see and know God more. And so what if we remained open during moments of singing a song that we don't really prefer? What if we remained open when we were listening to someone that we don't particularly click with? What if we remained open in a moment of prayer that, that isn't really our style? It can multiply the vantage points in which God can come and do the great, greatest, deepest work that He can do. And lastly, let's position for magnification. What can you and I engage in or who can we engage with that we haven't before? What is something new that you and I can step into in order to see God in a clearer and more meaningful way? Why not try engaging with the Bible in a different way? With a daily devotion or a biblical word study or lect. Lectio Divina. Maybe it's a type of prayer that we can engage with that we haven't engaged with before. Maybe a time of silence, a regular time of silence. Or maybe it's engaging with with the prayer meeting at Wednesday night gather when it starts up again in term three. We could also listen to other styles of preaching or engage with someone at church from a different generation or someone we haven't really quick click with in the past and and ask them, have a conversation, say, how do you connect with God? How do you see God more clearly? That could encourage and fuel our seeing of God. And as you and I make God our focus afresh, as we acknowledge the obstacles, confess them, bring them before God, as we multiply the vantage points and position for magnification, we will resist the temptation to form factions to be led by our preferences. And instead, we will form a a deeper intimacy with God. We'll be transformed more and more into who He wants us to be because God is the one who gives the growth. And so we're going to have a time right now of worship. We're going to open up this altar. And I really got the sense that this altar is holy ground today. And just as Pastor Genevieve's talked about the, the veil, the curtain being ripped that was preventing people from stepping into the very presence of God. This altar represents His presence. This, this altar represents the power and the intimacy of God. And as we come and step onto this altar today, Bring all the things we need to bring Him. Confess them. Repent of them. 
receive forgiveness from them. He will remove the obstacles and He will give us growth in areas that we need growth. Maybe we need something to shift in our world. Maybe we need healing. Maybe there's a circumstance that is, it's just, it's a terrible circumstance that it needs to move, needs to change. As we come to God, as we acknowledge that God is the one who brings the growth, God is the one who can truly change things. As we come and we call out to Him, He's faithful. Our God is so faithful. And so if you want to come and to bring those obstacles, lay them before God, if you need a shift or a change, or an area, an area to grow in your world, you can, you can come down. If you want someone to stand with you in prayer for any of those things, please come to my left, your right. If you just want to come down and, and, and have time with you and God, come on this side of the altar. That would be amazing. So why don't we stand to our feet? And we've got a good 10, 12 minutes right now. And so I want us to bring... Come and bring these things before God today. Allow Him to do the great transforming work that only He can do. So as the band, the band plays, the band sings and leads us in worship, come and head down onto this altar. And may you see God more clearly than you ever have. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.